right, everybody, welcome back to episode number 14, I believe, of Tailgates and Heartbreaks, presented by Section 513. Uh, I am your host, uh, the ghost of uh, Jacob Geyser, uh, <laughs> which is my co-host, uh, the ghost of Donnie Hester, and our producer, uh, Austin Tito James. What's up, boys? Um, surprisingly feeling pretty good, but well, I mean, well, obviously it was kind of just a chill weekend, not much going on. Uh, just stayed UK at home. first win of December or since November though. That's yeah, good. we'll talk about that. But you know, this weekend it was chill. We just stayed at home. I read a couple books, um, drank some tea. Yeah. Nothing really, uh, big going on guys. So should we just end the episode? I mean, yeah, that's it. All right. Yeah, let's let's just call it. Let's just call it. Um, <laughs> no. So, uh, like I had uh, mentioned on Twitter before, uh, we were gonna have two episodes this week, and one of them we were gonna have to talk about this past weekend with both the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, throttling uh, Clemson in New Orleans. Uh, I don't know. It was the final score forty-nine to twenty-eight? A lot to a little. Yeah, if memory serves me correct, that's right. And then yeah, um, the, all right. And then the game prior, which was uh Cincinnati fell short. Uh real really realistically it was twenty two to twenty one, but some garbage safety at the end uh made it twenty four to twenty one. But yeah, so let's just get this over with. Tito, congratulations. You, uh, you know, good job, man. We're all proud of you. So um, happy for you and your program that has the just... most the the thing that I'm gonna say on this. I'm just gonna get this out of the way because the thing that I'm gonna say on this podcast is gonna piss you guys off the most is that UC just utterly and completely dominated Georgia for three yep. quarters, and it was just as bad as that Ohio State Clemson game. Yeah, I mean, I well, I think. You saw – I mean, I guess we'll just jump into the UC talk. You – pregame, you have – you find out, like, you know, you know Georgia had a bunch of guys opting out. You found out that Cincinnati kind of in the same boat, pretty – a lot of guys not playing due to injury. Which, um, basically, which basically was – I mean, in, in reality is – I don't want to say they were opt-outs, but that's kind of what they were. It was weird because, like, Sauce yeah. Gardner, he hurts his back in warm-up. It's like, what the hell is he doing that he hurt his back? I don't Can I think say that... something, though? I didn't even notice that he wasn't out there. Whoever that backup corner was had the game of his life. He, he played – I mean, we still got torched, I mean, down the field. But I think that – It would have been nice to have him on a couple of those deep balls that JT yeah, Daniels had. Yeah, well, absolutely. But you have to give credit to where credit's due and, and – most of the backups that came in played for UC, most, not the left tackle, but most of the backups played really well. And, you know, I'm just proud of the effort that the guys gave. Obviously, you talk about not having Wiggins, Sauce, Dokes, and then you lose your best offensive lineman. You're like, oh, we're going to get shelled. And like Tito said, we outplayed them for the majority of the game. Obviously, we fell short. And it was kind of like, Halfway through the third, you're like, man, can we weather this out? We know Georgia's going to be coming um, with with the guys on the field right now. Can we finish it off? Obviously, it didn't happen. You could kind of – the whole game I was saying, we're done. We're done doing the Cincinnati bullshit. We're finishing a game, a big game. 
Um, I got to stop saying that because I've said it probably the last five Cincinnati games and we lose, you know, whether it's the Reds, the Bengals, Bearcats, we lose and we find a terrible way to lose that, that just, it couldn't be in a movie script because it's too pretty. Like it's just outrageous. Yeah, you did, it, you did do it the two really things felt- that, that if you talk about wanting to make that jump from being considered a group of five to a power five school, you did two things that I think people are going to notice, or at least, you know, analysts will notice to be able to be deep enough to compete with a top 10 team with backups. That's something that only like a top tier power five team can do. Yeah. And to be able to compete and dominate a low scoring game, like for, you know, yeah. they ended up losing, but like every time a group of five team has come up to be that like plucky underdog, it's always, we're going to boat race you and hope we get the ball last. This yeah. is UC lining up and saying, we can knock your teeth we're, out. We're going to punch you in the in the throat. And how do you respond? Georgia, they're awesome. They're a really good team. Obviously, they didn't have a lot of their top guys, especially in the defense and offensive line. Um, JT Daniels did not have a good game. Um, from what? For, so from a couple of Georgia fans that I had talked to uh, the night before out, yeah, they well one they were all nervous, like a lot no. of them. A lot of them were either nervous or like it's going to be a really good game. And they also said that their opt outs were not nearly as you know prevalent. Like in the sense that yes, they had opt outs, but it wasn't like anybody that was you know. Well, when you have move the, the, style move the, program, have, the backups that are coming in behind these guys are going to be yeah, I mean higher higher value recruiting wise than UC, and that's weird, guys, because the people I talked to the night before in the morning of, they were not worried. They said, "All oh, you know, it'll probably be a three four touchdown game," um, and that was before they even learned that UC had players out, which I didn't find out literally till like ten minutes before kickoff. But yeah, I people found out that that I like- to, people that I talked to were. Very confident that we're Georgia fans are like, oh, I mean, great story, you guys, but we're going to shell you. So that's kind of weird. I mean, I guess it just goes to show that you talk to different people, they're going to have different opinions. Yeah, there's two different ends of the spectrum. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking a little – we were texting a little bit throughout the game, obviously. Um, It – um. So first off, let's just get this out of the way. That stadium is absolutely incredible, and the fact that that is actually a NFL stadium is wild. Yeah. I'm, no, sure it's it's, I'm sure that's what it feels like to walk into Jerry's World in Dallas. Yeah, I'm sure like that's the similar that that's the similarities there. I mean, it was incredible. Um, it was a great venue to watch the game for sure. Um, an experience like no other. Uh, as absolutely. I've been saying. As I've been saying to everybody uh, that's asked me about it, I enjoyed it up until about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then after that, the rest of the trip just kind of sucked. <laughs> just being honest. I mean, yes, for three quarters, for a solid three quarters, Cincinnati controlled the game. I would, I think the first quarter, they kind of, the first half, they kind of traded blows. Um, yeah. Feeling each other but, out. Yeah. But like, you see, like, Georgia threw a punch. You see, threw a punch back. I mean, you see, threw the first punch. And then there was, you know, that interception that was bobbled in the end zone that ended up, like, being a fumble and was down at the yeah. one, all that Crazy stuff. Play. 
they had a couple of those like bend but don't break moments, which was I was like, okay, like those types of plays that seemingly UC had made what felt like all year against uh, lesser opponents that they were continuing to make um, on the big stage was huge. Great. And I felt song. like from that, from, that, from that moment on, I was like, okay, like we're here. Like let's we got a real shot to win this yeah, game. Like, yeah. Let's go out here and do this. Um, obviously not having a mod definitely hurt. Um, I know Tito, you mentioned it uh, through text. It definitely looked like they were playing more zone, which is like the opposite of what this team has been all year. They right. play man to man. They they trust their guys to play but coverage. I, I did. And, I just even though with the amount of zone that they're playing, and that's how you get boat raced in the SEC is if you sit in zone too much, and te- athletes are just too good, and and the offenses are too good. But you see, I mean, I was not impressed with JT Daniels in that game. I thought UC's defense really like. Watching that game, it was like this team absolutely deserves to be, you know, in the conversation that they are, you know? You see, let's face it, UC was one of the best teams all the season, and no one, you know, that performance against Georgia proves that. Um, And yeah. Well, the thing that that was funny was that, like, you had, like, people, like, tweeting during the game, like, oh, like, they belong, like, this, that, and the other, regardless of the outcome. They should be, you know, regarded as one of the top teams in the country. The fact that they have to win this game to then qualify for the playoff next year is just – it's all about the system, ridiculous of the system, whatever. I but, disagree with that point. I heard a lot of people saying that after the game. I disagree with that point. I mean, like, I, I actually, like, don't really even, like, care about the point, honestly. I was just yeah. so I, – I was so focused on the game itself in what was at – I just wanted to win. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really care what came after. With whatever, with whatever came – Afterwards from that, I was totally like, all right, whatever. If you win, then great. Like the conversations, whatever they are, good or bad, are going to be had. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was an atmosphere like no other. And when Jerome Ford had that 79-yard touchdown run to kick off the third quarter, I was like, let's, like, let's go. Like, yeah. I mean, it made the game 21 to 10. It was after Dez had that unbelievable like kind of like backyard football, throw it to Josh Wiley wide open, the, like coming back to the ball. It was insane. Yeah. The only thing that sucked about that is I was told they were stop, they were going to stop serving alcohol at after halftime. So I'm like trying to like stock up with what I could, and they did not have any TVs showing the game at all. Yeah, that was it's crazy. All like menus. So like I'm sitting in line going off the sound of the the, the fans. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like on my phone, like a play behind streaming on the app. I, I had to legitimately FaceTime Singler. Uh, and that's how I found out James Hudson got tossed. Oh, targeting. Wow. So I was like, well, that's not good. And obviously we'll get into that later. But no, so it was just it was that whole sequence was really insane because I really didn't get to see any of it. So it was kind of yeah. one of those things that, that is kind crazy. of sucked. But so it was nice to see the 79-yard run that really made that stadium erupt. For how I many? Mean, I, I, for, fans can you imagine the stadium filled with fans? Like it was so loud with what was it, oh. 16,000 that they said the final attendance yeah. was. Dude, can you imagine a hundred? Holy shit! So, but to so Tito, that was after that touchdown was around the time I think it was the very next possession. You see, either got a quick stop or or whatever. I forget what it was. And I'm, that's so, what I'm so sorry for that text. 
Yeah, you kind of jinxed it for sure. Uh, my brother also said something similar to that. Um, so I've so been thinking him. that since I saw that matchup come out, uh, and I've said it on here multiple times, but I thought that after that game, you were going to look back and say, wow, UC dominated the second half of that game. And I sent so that text, you were close. and then I think a drive later, like... You were close. Yeah. UC, in my opinion, dominated the third quarter. And they left points out Abs- there. If they, if, if they scored, If they score a, a field goal or a touchdown in that game in the third quarter, if they got one more scoring drive, no matter what it would have been, that game would have been over. Well, we also – I said in when we missed opinion, field goal. And then – and then it well yeah I mean the the blocked field goal I knew yeah. that was going to come back to honest because you think about Georgia needing um a touchdown they had I think it was they went touchdown missed two point conversion field goal field goal yeah so but anyway the third quarter UC flexed its muscles and made a bunch of plays like that that fourth down play fourth and one. Georgia elects to go for it, and they throw a uh, pass out to the flat. They didn't want, they didn't run. SEC Georgia, big dog. I'm gonna control the whole. I'm gonna control. I'm gonna control every aspect of the game. They felt like their best way to get one yard was to do a, a throw a ball out to the flat. And the hit itself, Arquan Bush lit that dude up. It was awesome. I think Which, I, he I, think absolutely- I lost. My, that hit was awesome. He absolutely should have caught that ball. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like seeing the replays of it and whatnot. I actually from so from watching it live and then to seeing the the replay of it on TV, I thought for a second that it was almost gonna be targeting because it looked kind of like that. I was worried about that. So obviously it wasn't. And then the fourth quarter came around, and that's when I felt like if there was ever gonna be a point. That like if there was ever a point that I was worried, it was gonna be the fourth quarter. If if it was gonna be like, was UC gonna be able to make enough plays? And I and I was worried if UC had to lead, would they get conservative? And I I don't want to say they got conservative, but immediately after the 79-yard touchdown run, the two drives after that followed, they threw the ball every time and barely gained any and barely gained any yeah. yards. And I, I don't just know why like, they weren't running the ball on first down. I don't know. I I don't. But like like we had talked about though, I was like I would have either a have loved to see them run the ball more or b do your little read option, you know, yeah, yeah. the read option like tight end route out to the flat. If it's probably not going to work a bunch because Georgia's got a lot more speed, they can cover that stuff. The misdirection wasn't really working. That's fine. But I would at least rather you try and do something that is more on par with what your team's strengths are than throwing the ball up by 11 and potentially getting to the point where you're going to have the clock issues, which we'll get into that later. So by the time we got to the fourth quarter, Donnie, I was just kind of like, when they got that touchdown, I was like, okay, fuck. Oh, I literally said, oh, but like, obviously, and then they didn't get the two point conversion. So I, I was feeling kind of okay, but yeah. I mean, after that, it's just all – it's all honestly kind of a blur. It was kind of, yeah, like you said, it was it was all going so fast. Like the cl- time was clicking – ticking down. We still had a lead, but it was like you could feel it. It's and just I felt like that third quarter. 
I feel like that third quarter was the whole entire second half. Like the time between the start of the third to the start of the fourth felt like forever. And yeah, like, but I, know, I was like, I was all over the place because there were so many emotions happening. Because, like I was saying, you get a feeling as a Cincinnati fan, it's like, oh no, like shit, <laughs> like it's gonna it happen. Went, it's it gonna went, happen again. It but very how quickly, you start. Like, it went very quickly from. It went very quickly from the, the like the high of it all to like the, oh shit, this is gonna happen. And you slowly started like it's like it's it's so Cincinnati where like you hit that moment you hit that peak and you're like yes we're gonna do it <laughs> and you're like and you're like wait did we get there too early oh shit did we, like, we're gonna do did it we get, did we get there too early because then all of a sudden it just kind of started going downhill but like it was like kind of one of those things where you're like it's like you're a roller coaster like you're going down but then like it kind of flattened out no and all of a sudden it hits rock effing bottom. Yeah, it's like you said, coaster. This roller coaster, like after the first hill, you're going back up, but then like the track just ends and you fly off and die. Like, that's yeah. a, that's being a Cincinnati sports fan. <laughs> so, so the biggest issue that everybody has from the game is the final drive that UC had before the uh the, the George's last, last drive, drive yeah. which which featured a. I'm pretty sh- so the drive prior they went for it on fourth down on that fake punt which was electric. That, that was, was such a ballsy call and I loved it. That was that awesome. was yeah. dude we had nothing. All, Georgia had 100% of the momentum and we just stole it right back with one play and it was like we're we're gonna fucking do it guys like we're gonna win like no no way that works out on a normal Cincinnati year and that would be such a way for us to blow the game like. If the punter gets blown up, fumbles it, and Georgia takes it back for a touchdown or something crazy, yeah. we so it. it was awesome. So there's that missed opportunity there because the three plays after that, they either gained zero yards or they or yeah. a, a yard. And then they punted, which – so then they punt. And I'm telling you, I, so I was sitting next to Singler, and then in front of us was Alec, Brady, Brandon, and Matt. The collective, like – what the fuck is Kirby Smart doing punting with two thirty left in I think it was three times it was either like a minute fifty nine or it was something weird. He was punting and and we're sitting there like, wait, is he really doing this? He's giving them the chance with like three minutes left to run the clock out and he's just gonna do this. Like he's gonna like you know how like there's like the you see those like surrender index like oh you punt from this part of the field that is like a hundred percent surrender rate yeah right that's what it felt like it was in there was a couple there was a georgia fan there were georgia's georgia fan couple whatever i'm not whatever two georgia people were sitting like right down below from us and their face in their reaction to like him sending out that punt unit was laugh out loud funny I was yeah. dying. That's, Kurt, that's Kirby Smart, though. That's what he does. That's a, that's a coach that believes in that defense. So I mean, that's not the first time that he's made a call like that. He just he right. a lot of times he just doesn't try to win games. Like, or he try you could say he tries to, he tries to get the other team to make a mistake. Yeah, which is exactly what Cincinnati did. He played, played right the thing, lose a lot. And the thing was, is it wasn't like fourth and like five or fourth and six. It was like fourth and two. Like they yeah, very they yeah. they 
easily could have taken it in. You know what I mean? So, and it wasn't like it was in deep in their territory. It was closer to the 50. It was more like 35, 45, whatever. Yeah. So the biggest issue that every UC fan has was the play call on third and two. Two. Third Third and one. I'm not a UC fan, but I have a bigger issue. Your quarterback can't read a play clock. That's another problem. Yeah, so that was my biggest gripe was, and I said it after the very first play, like after like they got the running clock on the first down, because they gained a first down like right away. By the way, those referees did not know the rules of how the clock operates in the fourth uh, quarter. The referees didn't know the rules of football. They had money on Cincinnati. Like that was nuts. Are you talking about when he went out of bounds and like? Yeah, you're supposed to, st- or you're supposed to stop the clock until the ball gets set back up, and they the just didn't even. So we were wondering, like, maybe the the college rule is different, but no, yeah, that's the rule. Like, yeah, yeah, they, went, they switched to that, but yeah, yeah, you see, they just kept running it. I was like, this is gonna be awesome. No, like, well, typically that's the other way around. That's working against you, see, but this time it didn't. Yes. So the biggest issue was on second and or on first and second down, Desmond snapped the ball with 12 seconds left on the play clock. And then I think it was like maybe eight or nine on the second down play. And I was sitting there and I, I, I said it after first when I was like, like, why the fuck are we snapping the ball so late? And this is a, and this is a team that in the UCF game. Like everybody praised Fickle for his clock management because he got it from Trestle, and it's like they know how to like use the clock, run the clock, whatever. Like they understand all that. Well, on the, in the biggest stage of the season, biggest game of the year, it felt like there was just this lapse in judgment. Whether I don't know who it was, I'm not gonna throw the blame. Like a, they, they, were they con- had a timeout left, so it's like if that was really a big enough problem, call a timeout and make sure that Desmond Ritter knows that. So. So, yes. So those are the two plays that I have an issue with. I actually did not hate the third and one play call. If you run the play clock successfully, the two plays prior. They had had the guy from the backside, too. I don't know who it was, but somebody was was running. It was Michael Young. It was Michael Young. He was on the drag across the field on the backside. And, I mean, that's a really tough throw to go across your body in that situation because the only thing that you're thinking is do not throw a pick. But he was there. So yeah. it was like, I, so it was like a, it was a, it was like, it was one of their like read option design rollouts where they faked the run and they had Wiley going into the flat, but the flat was not there. Well, Michael Young was coming, you know, he was on the left side of the line. He was lined up honestly in the slot closer to the line. It was kind of like a bunch formation. And he just ran this like vertical drag route and he was wide open. And like I saw it, I don't know if you could see it on TV like live, like in person. Like, obviously, we could see the play develop. Dude, he was wide open. But he just took, like, three seconds to, like, a, a second and a half, two seconds too long until he threw it. And then he, post-game, he said he put too much on the ball, like, loft. If he threw it more on a line drive, he would have caught it. And, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, like, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, if Fickle in, in company and they get that play to, to work, Fickle was praised for like the it's nuts. The like you get the, yeah. yeah. But then obviously. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, you love it. It didn't work out. And, you know, obviously we go from there and then, you know, Georgia kind of works their way down the field. And so the final play, so the kick, 
I don't know if you noticed this, but they did not have a great angle on the jumbotrons. God forbid the the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium had a flaw to it. There is a flaw. Their scoreboard and their video system that they were using had the get view of the field goal at an angle. So like we couldn't, I I like crouched down because I was like I'm not gonna yeah. be able to see it going in or not. So I'm just gonna let the fans decide. Yeah. And obviously you hear the roar of the Georgia fans. I mean he killed that. That was he, right yeah, down that, the middle. That thing was good for from 60. That was yeah. not. So I'm in a similar position. I would say the biggest flaw of the stadium is the like you said the no TV in the line area. And also I was like five rows from the back of the stadium. I was really high up. And I couldn't see – I could see, like, the bottom half of the thing uh, – the what's it called? Scoreboard. So I couldn't mm-hmm. see it all. And then the angle, I couldn't tell if it was going in or not. So I actually – in my review of Atlanta that's now up on Section 513, you can see my re- – I post my reaction of him making the kick. And I literally say it. I can't see. And I had to wait until I heard the Georgia – like, which fan base was cheering. And when Georgia started roaring and then their fans – uh, ran on the field. I mean, I, I cried like I think three minutes later. I was crying. Like it was awful. So, and then obviously, like there's the safety at the end of the game. And me and the guys, we sat I was there. already halfway out of the stadium. I mean, you know, it's over. I was halfway out. Of, I was, I was like peeking out, like walking out of the stadium and like viewing that. And it was, oh, I just want, I just laid down and died. Like, so like we like just, sat in our seats and just like because i couldn't move because my heart was racing the whole fourth quarter and then like you just feel it get ripped out yep from your chest i couldn't move and like i sit there and like watch it all and i was just like i watched like some of the like them getting everything out them celebrating and whatnot i was just like i can't do this so we walked out i would rather gouge my eyes out with a fork than watch that yeah so i mean and then basically after that, I was like, I don't feel like giving this city any more of my money. A part of me is ingrained in the seat in section 309, row row three, seat number two. A part of your host is, is still there. I don't think I've ever come up from the fetal position when I was there. I think um, part of my soul is left in the hotel bar across the street where I needed a drink of alcohol so bad. And we weren't the only group. I mean, Geezer, you guys went in there. There was like probably at one time like 50 or so UC fans. Just like, I need a beer. I need a shot. I need something. Dude, we ended up staying there for hours and just like a therapy. I talk about this in my review. Um, it's like a, it was a big therapy session in this hotel, little dinky hotel bar. And the uh, owner of the bar what do you mean, dinky hotel bar? It was it wasn't, no, I didn't mean dinky, but like, I mean, it wasn't an actual bar. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it really was, wasn't. The owner came up to us. I mean, we ended up probably dropping over a grand there. The the owner comes up to us and was like, like about to cry, like, thank you, you just like made the bartenders month. So that part felt good, but obviously, in that therapy session. For us and the Bearcat fans, it was much needed. Um, it saved my. I talk about my review again. It saved my night, and I was able to still have a pretty fun time. But, um, but yeah, that was terrible. I mean, the the ending of that game was awful, and it'll go down as one of the worst like five minutes of my life. Well, on that note, did you guys see the great news that UC just got today indirectly? No. 
Jack Cohn is now transferred to Notre Dame and is projected to be their starting quarterback. So their chances of winning in South Bend next year just went up exponentially. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I did also really? see that. I did also see today that um, uh, that the Peach Bowl game uh, was the seventh most viewed game of the season, and it was only behind the both semis, um, the SEC title game, both uh, um, Georgia, no, both Georgia, and both, both Notre Dame and Clemson games, and then uh, Alabama Georgia. Nice, pretty solid ground. And it like, was honestly, yeah, it was a, it was a classic. If you it, it was won, the best it, game of the day. It was right. the best game of the day, depending on which fan base you are rooting for. But like, if you're just a, if you're just a pure, like, I want to watch a good football game. That the was best it. Game on TV. Oh no, I'm an Ohio State fan, and I agree with that. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, that like, I wasn't even really watching the the uh, Clemson game for most. Like when Ohio State didn't have the ball, I really wasn't watching. But yeah, you're a huge. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah, that's so. Dude, did that's you see? All... What, did you see what we were doing to their offense? No, no, no it was that game was shameful. It's Clemson is so shameful. Dabo is the worst. Also, I will say this: before you go into this ad read, Tito, the fucking nuts that Justin Fields has. He was dragging them in a wheelbarrow up and down the field, probably out of the stadium. Like I thought that dude was dead when he got drilled on that hit. By uh, I don't even know how you say the dude's name, the linebacker. Who got kind of ejected. He gets ejected like all the yeah. time. All the time. Like that exact play. <laughs> Brent, yeah. Brent Venable's kid is his backup, and he's gotten like significant minutes this year, not because that dude's been hurt, but because he keeps getting ejected. Ejected, yeah. So, but like that was it. It like it was so much fun to watch Justin Fields ball out because he, in fact, balled out and he, he clearly was. He was hurting. He got all the he got all the cortisone. He got all the pain pills that he could in the locker room, and went out there and I mean, balled out. And his he for it. I mean, shit for his draft stock too. I mean, skyrocketed. Skyrocketed because he had what six touchdown passes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and those deep balls he had looked pretty. Yeah. Also, they I don't know. Yeah. I also don't know what the hell that Clemson secondary was doing because it felt like OSG wide receivers were running all over the place. And I know Brent, uh, I know Venables has like this, like crazy defense that no one else does. They just did not look like they were ever. Well, here's their a on the same page all night or B just like, what the fuck is this dude calling? Because it seemed like every coverage that he had called was like for the exact opposite play that right that should have been. Did you did you know why? So why? last year in the Ohio State Clemson game, uh, Ryan Day caught on to the fact that Brett Venables had their no huddle signals. Ohio State didn't run the no huddle at all in that game. And they put up 49 points and dude seemed like there were holes everywhere. So I'm not, not saying Clemson cheats, but I definitely am saying Clemson. No, I'll say Clemson cheats. Fuck them. So, yeah, I mean, that was awesome. Uh, Trey Sermon just like literally acting like it was a parade for Trey Sermon. The entire game was awesome. That was awesome. Dude, how, how is anybody? Ohio State subbed two freshmen, both Cincinnati kids into the game. 
Mayan Williams got the ball on his end to one side of the field, ran over a Clemson defender, picked up 15 yards, and Paris Johnson picked up a linebacker, carried him five yards, and landed on top of him. It, those were two freshmen, true freshmen yeah. against that yeah. defense. That was unbelievable. Yeah. I, Evo, I mean, that was so sweet. I was watching the game with my family and my great aunt, I think, uh, I, I she thought I was a sweet kid, and I think that after the some of, some <laughs> of the things I said about Davis Sweeney, that opinion may have changed. That was uh, kind of like me. We were sitting next to a Georgia family, and we we're like, "Oh, you know, good luck before the game." And then during the game, like Ricky was calling the little kid like a fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the opinion very uh, very on brand of Ricky. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of shameful things. All right, well, All right, we'll get to the ad. Hey guys, do you enjoy listening to tailgates and heartbreaks? Then you need to visit Section 513. Section 513 is Cincinnati's newest sports blog featuring Geezer, Donovan, as well as some writing from myself. You can get our takes on anything you may be interested in on Section 513. Let's visit Section513.com today. That's Section513.com. Check out the uh, Atlanta Review blog Donovan's got up. I'm sure it's going to be a solid read. All right, so thank you, Tito, for that Incredible ad read as per usual. Um, now we'll move on to another topic that just seemingly cannot get better slash happier. Doesn't matter. It's the same. It's the same old shit. Um, so the Bengals uh, got worked by Baltimore, which I mean, Baltimore is, in my opinion, probably the hottest team in the NFL next to probably Buffalo. Um, but yeah, I expected them to get. I expected them to get absolutely worked, and boy, was I right. Forty-one to three. Using the word "worked" is very polite to the Bengals because they got dilly womped. They got shelled. It was embarrassing. And so much so to the tune of forty-one to three, where Baltimore ran for over four hundred yards. Yeah. You would have thought. That would have been the, uh, the the icing. I mean, the cherry on top of the Sunday in firing Lou Anarumo, because we actually had some good news on the Bengals front a couple of days, bef- two days before, when they did the unthinkable and actually said, "Yeah, Jim Turner's not coming back," which I think makes a lot of Bengals fans happy for sure. Um, but if you were going to tell me, though, that the fall guy for this incredible 4-11-1 season and all the issues that have happened was going to be Jim fucking Turner, I would have said, no, you're crazy. There's good. There's got to be somebody else. Has to be one else. of the Has to be, be somebody else that falls. There's got to. And there just isn't. There's Can a couple, of, say, there's a couple and- of position coaches that are either – Lee are taking an, I know the running backs coach is going to Kentucky. Yep. Um, Bob Bicknell is either, it's either parting ways or retiring. Um, Al Golden's gone. Al um, Golden's gone. I don't think Al Golden's gone. Oh, I thought he was. I don't think Al Golden's yeah, gone. Linebackers, running backs, D line. I don't think Al Golden's gone. I think okay. it's D line and then a defensive assistant. Oh, Can I okay. just say how sad it is, though, that, and I do this too, but the fact that we're talking about a fall guy is so pathetic. Like, that's <laughs> just such a loser. That's like how 
the Bengals are, that we have to talk about a fall guy. It's not okay. that, hey, Hold on. we can't win with these people, so we need to fire them. It's, well, there's got to be a fall guy. Like, no, that's, that's so no. sad. That's, that's, a, that's a sports term. That's not just a Cincinnati term. Like, let's not, like, get it, like, mixed. Like, that is when it, whenever there's a team that either A, underachieves, or B, just straight up sucks, there's always a fall guy. No matter what, there's always a fall guy. In it's the not fall a guy coach, and you didn't just get these coordinators. Like, these are Zach's guys. Like, well, lose, it should have been well, one of the thing. Get the so can. The thing. Lose not even necessarily Zach's guy. Apparently, he is now. Lou and Arumo didn't get hired till like 22 days after Zach Taylor got hired two years ago. And there, there was the whole like report, all the reports that like everybody that they asked to come in and be the defensive coordinator basically said, no, Jack Del Rio. No, good. Uh, Todd Graham, the then Florida uh, Gators defensive coordinator, probably a good thing he didn't take the job. No, he said I, no. And, I wouldn't take it either. I mean, and I, I think that slides perfectly into my point I'm about to make. You have the opportunity now with Joe Burrow and and the positivity of having that draft class that we just had. And for a coordinator, if you get rid of at least Callahan, you could have a fresh set of eyes. And I think coordinators are going to be lining up to work with Joe Burrow, even on the defense, even on the defensive side of the ball. I think that that knowing that you have Joe Burrow on your offense. To carry you, that's a huge advantage that the Bengals miss by not firing their coordinators. Donovan, I agree that he's one of the most exciting quarterbacks in football. But if I was an offensive coordinator and I walked in there and I straight up asked Mike Brown and said, are you going to build an offensive line around that guy? You got to give me a straight answer. And I think the answer is going to be, no, that's not the priority. So, hold on. I mean, so, I mean, Brian Callahan, yes, is the offensive coordinator. You need, so it's you like, need, my point is you need eyes th- from the outside to come and look at what we got right now. That's my big point. Okay. I don't, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, Mike Brown issued a statement yesterday. It was kind of, you know, typical vanilla, like on brand bangles, like just kind of running true. around. I mean, you it's just. Change, I gave it to you forever. <laughs> Zach Zach Taylor signed for ten years. <laughs> like he's a joke. <laughs> in in his so in but in this you know in the statement that he makes, he's saying that because of injuries and because of missed opportunities, that is why we haven't been as good up to this point. Which you know what good coaches and coordinators is, do? They don't miss opportunities. They put players on the field that can take advantage of the opportunities that they give them, and the Bengals can't do that. And the Bengals have their favorites, i.e. Um, Michael Jordan and such, on the, especially in the O-line. Jim Turner's gone, I understand, but Lou Anarumo is the same way. He has his guys. He's going to play his guys to prove a point. You are setting up players to fail. You're setting up players to fail. I don't think Lou necessarily has his guys because – like if like Lou was running a Lou was running out a basically practice squad esque defensive line for the most part in, in bits and pieces of the season. Like aside from Hubbard and uh, Carl Lawson and, and Mike Daniels, everybody else that was playing on the on the D line was all guys that they had from the practice squad. 
That is his Anything. fault for not making it a point to build depth. No. I t- I understand, but like when you look at like the when you look at I mean injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think affected anything aside from Burrow getting hurt more than anything. Yeah. Because like you bring in DJ Reader and DJ Reader plays six games. That's a huge that in in Geno Atkins was never healthy at all at any point this year. Virtually played zero games. He, he was basically a non-factor. And then, regardless of how you feel about Trey Waynes, Trey Waynes being out all year puts the cornerback group that was already considered kind of thin to begin with going into the year, even with, you know, bringing in Trey Waynes and bringing in Mackenzie Alexander. They were already thin at that position as is. But at the end of the day, you you're right. And I'm not, like, defending Lou for that. I'm just, like, saying, like, that's what they're saying. And that's what's on paper. And there are that's there not, is some truth. That's there is not some what truth. an organization that's trying to win says. That's my point. See, here's here's the here's the thing. I think you have this like you have this thing with the Bengals where so much of it for you is organizational, like organizational issues, which yes, that is, you know, that's the truth. But like there are issues like this in other places, but because it's the Bengals and this is all we know, this is how we are. Like we're just kind of like angry about all this shit, and but we're I, like, no, and because I hold the teams together and throw it in one certain category. Oh, it's the Bengals, and yeah, we've been doing that our whole lives. But what else do we have to do? Like, there's nothing else that they've given us. I hold the teams the that I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a fan of, regardless of if they're the Bengals or the Reds. If I look around the league and see teams that are in similar positions succeeding, I hold them to a higher standard. I don't know. That's why I can't live and die with them on Sunday the same way that some of you guys can. It's because I know that this just isn't an organization set up to win. They're not trying to win. I don't know. I mean, I think my I think the biggest issue that they that they have had it stems from Mike Brown. Um, it, well, <laughs> like that's yeah. period. That's yeah. it. Yes, front office, 100%. Um, but I think they they pulled the plug on um, Marvin too late in the sense that, like, they should have, after 2015, that 2016 season, that, that should have been his last year, and then 2017 should have started the rebuild. Yeah. Like, the real rebuild, like any normal team, like you said, would do. You True. get rid of get rid of some of the older players you try and flip the roster and you go from there exactly and and, and hey guess what let's say they do that and they hire a head coach and he doesn't work out and and then we get zach taylor still i don't it doesn't matter but the problem is is they neglected the the aging roster they refused to part ways with fan favorites because they're their guys it's like no shit we're in this position like what else do you expect when like five of the seven guys that are making top money on the team are over the age of like 30? Like that's a problem. And, and yeah. you know, it, it's so another thing from his thing, from his statement was is basically like what it seems like is they were expecting, all right, year three, this is it. Like if it, if it is going to work, it's going to be year three. And then you're going to start to see the rewards from there on out. Well, 
I'll tell you this. If they go one and three or two and two to start the year, and obviously 0 and 4 basically means, yup, that's got to be everybody gone, no matter what. And then, you just, go, and then you've blown a year of a young Joe Burrow. And that's exactly. what they don't. And you're four and years think, behind this rebuild that should have happened in 2017. Yes. So I think that's so I think that's the thing is it's like okay, like if you don't want to bring in a new coach, new coordinators, and teach new schemes, whatever. Okay, well guess what? Which which shame no. on Mike Brown for that goddamn. I don't know if that was an exact quote, but what you I think Giz, you sent it to me. The thing that said. Zach Taylor was told he needed to make changes to his staff or they would revisit it at a higher level. That's that the was, top out I've ever heard. Yeah, that was like a, that was the first like article that came out basically saying like the the first three coaches that were being let go. Yeah. That is no, such definitely. a cop out. If he if you don't believe in Zach Taylor to put people in positions to succeed and you're telling him he needs to fire him, fire people, newsflash, that's not your head coach. Like you need and to I go think, find someone else. Thing, That's I think the biggest thing with that is to suck next year. I know we're going to suck next year because of the position that I've put us in, and I want to be no, able to I find think, my head coach and go out and get another guy. I think some of it is the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Because I think if he would have had it his way, he would have brought back the whole entire staff. And and because he's got confidence in him and whatnot, and and albeit yeah, it's a cop out, but like I think. If he wants to do that, he's not your head coach because he just played a season where they won four games. So, and he's gonna settle for something's not working. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, here's 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 the thing I will say though. <laughs> he won four games this year. Yes, two of them with Joe Burrow, two of them without Joe Burrow. He doubled his win total from last season, and you know. I think every Bengals fan said, hey, he just can't have two wins. If he gets any more than two wins and there's any sign of something, he's coming back. Yeah, especially when you go out and straight out against one of the best offenses and you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football, that that secured, I believe, Zach Taylor's job, as it probably should have with the roster he's sending out. But my big problem is that you keep the coordinators and you're just going to keep rolling the same product out there when there's no fresh eyes coming in, you can get the defensive line coach, you can get a linebacker coach, whatever, a defensive assistant, and that's your fresh perspective. I think it's got to be more wide, more wide scale. I don't think yeah. that's. And to Tito's point, okay, you better hope and pray on on Almighty that there are no injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Because if they don't have, if they don't have enough depth. Especially up front, they got to fix. They got to fix the trenches on both sides of the ball. And Trey, and Trey Hopkins tearing his ACL. That, guess what? They're either running Billy Price out there at center, or they're getting a new center. And I think we've all seen enough of Billy Price to know what we'd be getting from Billy Price. I'm kind of over it. He needs to go somewhere else, and I think that change of scenery for him would probably be better. It just didn't work out. I agree with what you're saying. I, now, he looked like he had no business being in the NFL, I thought, coming into this season. There were flashes where I was like, if he's playing with some decent guards, he's serviceable. He's a, but, he's a serviceable backup. But but the Bengals are not going to go out and spend the money they need to to get good interior linemen because that's not flashy and they'll go out and want to get a tackle. We'll so. see. The only thing that makes me 
nervous was Mike Brown's statement. He said, we came out, we spent the money in free agency, but he didn't say we're going to continue to do that. I mean, the Bengals need, if you realistically look at what they need, it's to spend an offseason similar to last year. Obviously, you're going to be able to spend a little bit with cutting contracts like Green and Atkins. But are they going to be able to put a decent-sized chunk of change on these linemen? And if I'll say they, this. Do they have more cap room this year than they did last year? I heard someone yeah. say that. They're yeah. top 10 in the league. They're yes. top 10 in the league. And by cutting Bobby Hart. And Bobby like, Hart another one. Yeah, that saves he's, you. He's, he's going to be cut. Yeah, he's going to be cut. That saves money. So, I mean, I think if you ask any Bengals fan right now, it's like, hey, you got to go and improve in the trenches. Whatever yeah. money you're going to spend, spend it there. And then if you're going to spend it on guys within your organization that deserve it, then do it. Like, if you want to extend Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard a year early, go ahead and do it. You got to extend Carl Lawson or William Jackson. You got to do one of them because one way or another, you're going to you're going to be thin at either both, position. Both Bates and Hubbard, I think I would love to see them extend them early because it's going to get real attractive to walk after next season. I think they will extend both of them. Jesse Bates is on record saying he wants to stay and play here. He loves it here. We'll, so, we'll see if that's – I think we'll, we're going to see if that's the case for a lot of guys after this season. So but, When they watch for a second straight year, this front office put Joe Burrow in a, in a position where he cannot succeed, and he hits his ceiling, which I think we're going to see that. And it's nothing against Joe Burrow, but, like, you hold cannot on, be a good quarterback in the NFL without a good on. offensive line. Stop. We can't sit here and complain about – what some players might do next year when we haven't even seen what they're doing in this off season. Like we have to give them a chance to address the needs that they need to address. And I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be, to say, Hey, you know what? If you're going to have Burrow drop back 30 or 40 times, you got to protect him. Like, I don't, I know like this is bullish of me to think this. And it's the word that Mike Brown used in his statement they are going to improve the offensive line. They absolutely have no choice. Like, but they have you, no choice. But they knew that. They knew what they had coming into this year. So, like, does that make you feel any better? And now they're going to be in a position where to be able to draft a first-round offensive lineman, they're going to have to reach, and they're not going to do that. I, I, I'm at the point now where I would much rather them do it through free agency. I'd rather them get it. You have four months to, to kind of talk about this. So I don't want to like keep beating this dead horse on this yeah. particular episode. We have a lot of off season. It needs to be a good one for the Bengals and we should judge it fairly. Um, but you know, you can have predictions for what we're going to do. We never, you, I don't think we know what's going to happen. Um, it's no, we don't. let's get into some fun, uh, some fun bowl talk here. I got to congratulate my two hosts on the winning, the most boring bowl pick competition ever, where both winners finished 500 and I was one game under. Uh, <laughs> so geezer and Donovan were both nine and nine in our pick them. I was eight and 10. Um, we all hey, had, you know that, Hey, you know what that shows though? Average mediocrity. What, well, what, what else do we know? That's and, all we know for the most part. You can't really pick these bowl games because it's often just crazy. Well, I think if I wasn't shit can when we did this, I might have done a little bit better, but we'll see. Uh, Uh, Excuses. Excuses. 
I mean, Tito, we also were just making up characters from our favorite TV shows. So, That's a fact. Yeah. But yeah, well, I also uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, friend of the program Peyton Ramsey for winning the MVP of the VRBO Citrus Bowl. That was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, tore him apart. Yeah. So, but yeah, I thought. Any other thoughts on uh, bowl games that were fun? Florida got emasculated. That was cool to see. Yeah, I was actually um, rooting for them, but like I yeah, seeing them die was also kind of nice. So. Yeah, I don't have much. Um, some of the bowl games were really good. Some of the bowl games were really boring. Just straight up, kind of how it went. And, and I think we, we need to talk about this maybe after the national championship. These bowl games, are they need to figure out what they're going to do with this whole opt-out situation because the bowl games are not what they used to be. And so if- what I'm hearing from – I heard it, a couple commentators mention it. I've seen it from a couple of big names on Twitter a little bit. Um, with the if they can get name, image, and likeness approved, bowl games can start sponsoring players to play in the bowl games. So that would that's be like awesome. A huge and that's what they need, man. Yeah. They need, they need that. So and I think need that's the game. easiest way to do it. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So. It needs something for sure. Yeah. But, All right. Uh, uh, that was a, you know, we got through it. It was a therapy session. Um, you I know. feel like I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off my chest. I do feel a lot better. Yeah, well, I mean, we're that. proud of our Bearcats, and and you know, they had a great season. Um, so boys, I guess we'll I'll see you. We'll do an, the other episode this week, talking about we'll surprise the guests. I guess. Oh yeah. I just say that because I really don't know what we're going to talk about in this other episode. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got no idea. Well, but we may be talking about a postponed national championship. Yeah, that's the rumor now. So keep your ears and eyes open for that and the new episode. And we want to thank everyone for listening to Tailgates and Heartbreaks. Everyone have a good day. Here's a 